There we go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, are you guys excited that we're on the last message of the who we are culture as a church? We've been going through this the last, this is the ninth week, I believe. And this is our last one. This is, uh, the message is entitled Empower, which is uh, part of our uh, kind of our, our our motto, if you will, of the church is to to evangelize, to equip, and to empower. We want to evangelize the lost, we want to equip the saints, and then we want to empower those saints to step out into their calling, into the ministry that God has called them to. And today is the last one. We're going to get through that. Next week, uh, pretty excited, uh, uh, Joseph and I are going to be, Pastor Joseph and I are going to be starting on a new series. We're going to go through the book of, of Philippians. So it looks like that'll be around seven weeks going through the book of Philippians, verse by verse, not missing a section, dealing with all the the good stuff and all the hard stuff just as well, and uh, we're excited to be starting that next week. So uh, you're going to want to be here to catch it from the beginning to the end. You want to tell everybody that's not here that we got a a good one starting, they're going to miss out if they're not here. Amen? Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and get started today. Like I said, the, the message is entitled Empower, and it's the last bit of who we are. And as a church, the culture of who we are, one of the things that we want to do is empower people to step out in their ministry. We don't want this church to be a place where people come and just sit on a Sunday, uh, Sunday morning and, and we don't see them any other time. They're not involved in any other way. We actually want to empower people to do what God has called them to do in their life, to actually be a part uh, of, of the ministry, of being part of serving God and serving Him in, in whatever way that He has called them to. And we want to be able to to equip people to get to that point and then actually support them into doing what God wants them to do. Amen? So let's go ahead and bow our head as we come to the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your great love. Father, I thank you uh, for just giving me the words to speak this morning, Lord. Father, this is one of the, the most important things that, that uh, we can do as members of the church is step out and serve you and how that you've called us to serve, Father. Lord, that we can... Uh, impact our area of influence, that we can make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that our hearts are ready to receive what you have for us this morning, that any hindrance, any blockage, any care of this world, any distraction that would be in our way, Father, that one, you would point it out, anything that would hinder us from serving in your kingdom, Father, that we might address it. And Father, any other spiritual blockages, spiritual things, Father, we stand against it in the name of Jesus. We command it to go. And Father, we just release freedom right now in each and every one of our lives. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So like I said, the culture of who you are is we want to empower people to make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. Who here wants to make an impact for the kingdom of heaven? You know, to do that, we have to step out into what God has called us to do. And the truth is, is that we all don't do the same things. We all don't have the same giftings, we all don't have the same talents, and we all don't have the same calling. Sometimes you're gifted in an area, but God says, that's not what I want you to do. Right now, i got something else for you. But the thing is, is that we all have an area that we should be serving, making an impact for the kingdom of heaven. Because the truth is, is that God doesn't send angels to do the work for us. God has called us to do it. God has called us to evangelize to the lost. He's called us to equip the saints. He's called us to to do the work in his kingdom. And the things that we can do for the the kingdom of heaven ranges from the, the smallest thing, the most least desirable thing, all the way to the greatest thing that you can imagine. You know, some of the things that we think about that, that aren't that in, uh, uh, 
glamorous, if you will, is stuff that's so incredibly important to the church. I don't know very many people that enjoy cleaning toilets. Raise your hand if you enjoy cleaning toilets. I didn't think so. But guess what has to get done? Did you see that? She raised her hand, Norma. Call her in. There you go. We got one person that likes cleaning toilets. Now I know who to call when stuff's getting bad at the house. I got a number two emergency. Somebody, somebody call Viola. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, that those things have to get done. Because how many of you know that if the church didn't get cleaned every week, if the toilets didn't get cleaned every week, you guys would be a lot less apt to want to come back if every time you walked through that doors, you were floored with the overwhelming odor of bathroom. Why, wondering why it smells like a porta potty with no, no flowing plumbing, no flow, uh, 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 plumbing when it's inside of a building. If it was like that, nobody would want to come. So the, the little things are just as important as the big things. The thing is, though, the church just needs people who are willing to serve, who are willing to do what needs to be done. And there are so many different opportunities and areas. How many know that we need skilled musicians in the body, singers and instrument players? How many know that we we need people who are skilled and gifted at teaching our children? I tell you what, of all the things getting people to do regularly, that's probably uh, statistically for the church, that's one of the hardest areas to get people to work with children. Because most of y'all's children is crazy. <laughs> Nobody wants to deal with them. Because, you know, my kids are perfect, right? But everyone else's are a mess. That's how we all think, right? Hallelujah. But we need people who are good at that, who, who have the patience to deal with, with children, have the patience. Because you know what? Those kids back there are super important. Those are, the next, those are the next pastors, preachers, evangelists, teachers. Those are the next people that are going to shake up the world for the kingdom of heaven. We want to make sure that they're equipped and ready to go, amen? So we need good people back there teaching them. We need people who are, who are good artists to do stuff from anywhere from advertising to, to I know Michelle is looking to find someone. She wants to paint a mural in the, in the nursery, just a beautiful mural instead of the stickers that we have up. And there are so many ways to serve God. I've seen so many be- uh, uh, people come up during a worship service and paint beautiful art and, as an act of worship to God. Or they'll get up there and write poetry or write songs. We need artistic people. We need technical people. How many of you guys right now, if, if the computer wasn't working back there, we couldn't get this working, could go back there and get it up and running? Yeah, there's me and Nick can do it. But we need people like me and Nick that can do that stuff. We need people gifted in those areas that are willing to serve in those areas. We need people that are, that are good at marketing. You know, the truth is, is that, that uh, evangelism in many ways is marketing. Now, it's, it's a different uh, uh, desire behind it. It's, we want a different outcome. But the, the skills to be able to advertise a church, to tell people it's the same as marketing any business. Now, the difference is, is that we got something much better than, than the, next, uh, uh, the next Kirby vacuum. When we go knocking on somebody's door, we got something much better. But to, to get our name out there, to, to make a difference, that's, that's important. We have to have people that can do those things. And certainly we need missionaries to go out into other countries. And truthfully, it's getting to the point now that most missionaries are coming out of other countries, coming into the United States to minister to us because we've dropped the ball somewhere along the way. 
And there are so many different ways to serve the Lord. I mean, we just talked about this morning, he said, uh, we, we need people to, to help out with the, with the school. That's a great way that you can serve the kingdom of heaven if you're gifted in something they need. Some people are just gifted to have good jobs and, and make decent money. Sometimes maybe your gift is generosity, and you can pour into different things. There are so many ways to serve the Lord, and as a church, our culture, we want to make it a, a habit to empower people to step out into what God wants them to do, to be able to step out and, and to, to not only um, have that desire, that dream, but have the, have the means to do what God wants them to do. We want one, we want to make sure they're equipped. If somebody feels the God, a call of, of being a pastor or a teacher on their life, we can't just, just send them out when they feel that way. We need to make sure that they're trained, they're equipped, that they have a good knowledge of the word, that that way if they're teaching people, they know their stuff. You know, we don't want to get people out there that are just preaching, preaching the, the uh, TV version of Christianity. But actually, no, the Word. We have to make sure they're equipped. And we want to make sure they're supported all the way. Because I want you to know that many times in many years, ministry is hard. Ministry is, you need support. You need help. You need people behind you or it can be overwhelming. Not just the, the physical aspects of it, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally, you can get beat down. You need people to walk beside you. As a church, we should be walking beside one another and encouraging one another as well. And if you have a call on your life, does anybody here have a call of God on their life? Everybody should be raising their hand because you all do. God has a plan and purpose for every single person, not only in this room, but in this city's life. God has something for them. And we want to make sure that you're equipped and empowered to operate in that calling. So that way, when you go and stand before Jesus one day, He says, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to make sure that you've done what God has called you to do, that somebody else didn't have to do what God called you to do. Amen? 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen through 20, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. For if the, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it, is, there are, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The truth is, the body of Christ is made up of a bunch of different roles. In the introduction, we talked about uh, a bunch of the different roles that there might be, different things that you can do in the body of Christ, and, and it's really unlimited, and we all have a part to play. God has placed you in this body for a reason. It wasn't just to warm a chair every other Sunday. There's a reason that you're here. God wants to use you to make an impact in His kingdom. He wants to use you to help grow His church. And like I said, we, we talked about some of those. There, there's the top shelf roles. You know, the people don't mind getting up in front if, if they're a musician, particularly if they're a musician. Most, most musicians don't, like, don't mind getting up in front of people and play. And that's actually probably one of the, the upfront ministries, probably one of the greatest things they have to caution and be careful against is pride. Because it's really easy to get up front and start puffing yourself up because you're up front and everybody sees you and, and you can do a good job. It's one of the things, you know, there's, you really don't have to deal with people too often getting prideful about cleaning the bathrooms because usually they're here by themselves doing it where there's no one around to see. 
But the thing is, is that even though there's the top shelf roles, if you will, the pastors, the, the, the musicians, the ones who are up front, there's also the, the less desirable roles. But the truth is, is that we all work together. And without each of those roles, the church can't function. We need each other. The truth is, is that, that even if I wanted to plant a church, if I didn't have people come alongside me in the congregation to help me do things to make sure stuff was happening, I couldn't do it alone. Because I need people to help me fulfill God's call on my life, and you need people to help you to fulfill God's call on your life. And oftentimes, as a servant, how many of you know actually your ultimate calling is just to be a servant? It's just to serve wherever you're called to, wherever you're asked to serve, to be there. But the truth is, we may need to operate in different positions throughout our ministry, throughout our lives. We have different, different times in your life you're going to be called to do different things. And sometimes in your life you're going to be called to do something somebody else was supposed to do because they wouldn't get out of the chair. And our calling can change as we grow. I believe that I was always called to be a pastor. That was always God's plan for my life. But I certainly wasn't called to do it 10 years ago. I would have failed. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have known what to teach. I wouldn't have been able to handle what was going on. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't equipped. And like I said, we, my biggest fear is to, to have somebody tell me that, that somebody else is doing the work that God has called me to do. How many know that, that I could quit tomorrow and it wouldn't impact God's plan? God could still find a way to make things happen. I don't know how it would work, but that would mean that somebody else would have to do what I was supposed to be doing. Acts 6, 1 through 4 says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples that it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It's always been an interesting story because so many times in the church today, people expect the pastor to pick up the pieces and do everything that's not being done. But the apostles were saying, listen, it's not good for us to do these things. Not because they were above it, not because they had somehow been elevated to a, to a different uh, a stature that that was beneath them, but because they had a role to do. They had, a, they had something they were supposed to be doing, and if they were feeding the widows, then they wouldn't be able to preach and minister the word, which is what they were called to do. And that's the thing, is that, that it's so easy. You guys ever heard the statistic that, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? That's typically true in the church. You want to know why that is? Because 80% of the people aren't doing what God called them to do, so the 20% have to. And, and the truth is, is any of us in leadership know that if you need something done, you go to the, the, the 20% of the busiest people. That's how you get, and, and it's a sad thing. I, I wish it wasn't. I, I thank God in this church that the numbers aren't quite skewed like that. Most people are involved in doing something and making an impact in this body. Matter of fact, as I look around the, the room, almost all of you guys are involved in, in something, and I, I'm so thankful for that. But the thing is, is that even if you don't feel like part of the body, even if you don't feel like that there's something, it doesn't mean that you're not. I love this, this picture that Paul's painting because it's ridiculous. <laughs> if you ever think about this, is just, I mean, can you imagine if you woke up one morning and your nose just rebelled, just took off, you, you woke up, looked like, what's that guy in uh, Harry Potter, Mort, Vortemar, what's his name, the guy with no nose? 
What's his name? Voldemort? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I don't watch that show. Just, see, just seen stuff online about him. But he has, could you imagine? You woke up one day and that's what you look like because your, your nose rebelled. I tell you what, there are some people that do wake up with parts of their body rebelling. They, I'm, I, I'm being serious. This isn't a joke, but you talk, you know, people that are handicapped that, that have a, a spinal injury and their legs don't work. Can you imagine waking up and your, your legs just not working anymore? It actually completely impacts the way people are able to, to live their life. And did you know that's true in the church? If we claim that, oh, no, no, I'm not part of the body, or I want to be a part that I'm not supposed to be. I mean, could you imagine if one day you woke up and your nose rebelled and your leg was attached to your face because it wanted to be a nose? I figured the position was open. Might as well take it. You could kick yourself in the face. I, sometimes I, I read this stuff. Maybe you guys don't imagine what I imagine when I read this kind of stuff. But this is ridiculous what Paul is saying. If you actually think it through, he says just because they say that they're not a body doesn't mean they are. And if the whole body were the same thing, I mean, I imagine there's parts on your body that would prefer to be other parts. But if there were all those parts, what would it look like? If everybody in the church here were the same, what would the church look like? What if everybody refused to serve and said, you know what, the only place I'm going to serve is up front on the worship team. That's all I'm going to do. Everybody in the church did that. What would happen? Who would teach the children? Who would preach? Who would evangelize? Who would run the soundboard? Who would clean the church? Who would, there's so many things that wouldn't get done. Who would do the website? Who would take care of the advertising we do do? What about the accounting and the administration? See, most people, when they think about serving in the church, all they think about is the stuff that they see. Did you know that, that we have people here that, that do our accounting? That's a ministry in the church that's serving in the church because it has to get done. Bills have to get paid. Trust me, you'll know if that person doesn't pay the electric bill and we come in and there's no lights and no AC, particularly right now. There are so many things that have to be done and when, when there's not somebody do them, doing them, then it causes such, a, such a, an impact to the church. Because even though we're many members, we're all different. We all have gifts and talents. We work together to form one body. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship where everything works together. And the truth is, is that you have an important role to play. Every single person here. And if you feel a calling on your life, you feel like God's asking you to do something, let one of the leaders know. Because we want to help empower you to step out on what God wants you to do. Because every member is important. The I can't say to the hand, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27, this is continuing that, uh, that example that he's using. The I can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I remember when I, my first job that I ever had, I worked at a JB's. You guys ever heard of the JB's? They, I don't even think there, is there any JB's left here in Tucson? I think they're all gone everywhere. But that was my first job. 
and I was a dishwasher because as a, as a teenager, you don't have a lot of experience, so you do the stuff that doesn't require experience. Turns out washing dishes doesn't require any experience, so I got the job. And uh, it's, the, it's considered the least position in a restaurant. Has anybody ever worked as a dishwasher? It is a terrible position, too. It doesn't matter what wor- restaurant I've ever worked in. Somehow when you work in the, in, the, in, the, in the dish tank, you come out smelling like syrup every time. You don't even have to have syrup there. That's what it smells like back there. It's a terrible smell. Not because it's gross, but because I think it just reminds me of being in the dish tank. So I... I worked this job, and, and then I looked, and I would see these other jobs. I wanted to be a cook. I wanted to be a server. I wanted to do these other things because they seemed more desirable. They seemed more important. But the truth is, is that even the manager is not more important to the operation of a restaurant than the dishwasher. Matter of fact, you wouldn't believe how many times when I did work up myself to management that, that I was back in the di- washing dishes because the dishwasher called out. Because you know what? The restaurant can't function without a dishwasher. Every member is important because if there were no dishes, how would the cooks cook and put food on it if there were, or, or to have dishes to cook the food? If there was no dishes, how would we serve to the, to the customers? We can't say that to any part that they're less important. Or, or, and, and that's why the Bible says that even to the, to, to the least desirable positions, that we bestow more honor because in many ways, they're so much more important. The truth is, is that if the worship team didn't show up one morning, we could figure something out. We could put on tracks. We could uh, the, 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 What seems like a super important thing, we could actually find ways around. But if we come in and the place is a disaster, and it's a mess, and it's gross, that's going to be a lot harder to work around. That's when I employ the entire church to start cleaning. And instead of having a service, we clean. The truth is, is that the stuff that we think is less important is so much more important. So for all of you who work in those areas, uh, particularly Norma and Bob and Marty, they're not here today. They help clean the church every week. And we're so thankful to you. And, and they're not the only ones that have done it as we've gone on. I know when we started for the first several years, uh, George cleaned the church. Basically, him and Anna by themselves for several years, they took care of it. And we're so thankful to the people that, that serve in that area because particularly me, like you have no idea what a blessing it is to come in. and not, I don't even have to think about whether the church is going to have to follow up on it. I don't have to check to see if it's going to be done. I can just trust them, and I know it's going to be done. And it is such a blessing to me, and it's a blessing to you whether you realize it or not, because you get to come in to a clean, good-smelling church. And the only time this church smells weird is when, when the AC hasn't been running and we have Nikos coming in from one side and the fumes from the nail salon coming to the other. You guys should come in here early one day before the air's been running. It's it's kind of a weird smell in here. But uh, I'm so thankful for the work that they do. Let me tell you a story. You guys know uh, what big event happened in 1981? President Reagan was shot. 1981, March of 1981, President Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr., and he was hospitalized for several weeks. And although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity. The government continued to run. The highest position in America was hospitalized, and the government continued to run. Contrast this to, to this. Not, uh, in Philadelphia, the garbage collectors went on strike at one point. 
And it was just several days, several, uh, just a very short amount of time before the city streets were piled with garbage. So the president gets laid out for weeks and everything keeps on trubbing, but the garbage collectors, they go on strike and the city's brought to a standstill. When we were in New York, very interesting, Michelle and I were up there. Um, they don't have alleys in New York and they don't have dumpsters or garbage cans. Like here in the States, we're all used to, or in Arizona, we all have the garbage can that we pull out a certain day a week and then it gets put back in your yard. They don't have them there. So we were walking around like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and garbage is just piling up on the streets. And in one day, there was tons. I imagine it was a designated area, but they've just piled them up on the side of the street waiting for the garbage collectors to come through every night to clean it up. It was just one day's worth, and it was, it was crazy how much bags of trash were on the side of the street ready to be picked up. Can you imagine if they went on strike there, what would happen to that city? The mayor could walk out and nothing would happen, but the garbage collectors, the, the, the least desired position, because none of us really uh, teach our kids that, you know, when you grow up, don't worry about that president thing. You should really be a garbage collector even though it's such an important job. And it's that way in the church, we all rely on one another. But many times when we're asked to do something in the church, one of our our first arguments is, but that's not my calling, that's not my gifting, that's not what God has called me to do. This is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.5. He says, as for you always, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Anybody know that Timothy wasn't an evangelist? This, this one always strikes home to me because I'm not an evangelist either. I don't naturally. I was just talking to, to Pastor Joseph at breakfast. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I envy about him or, or that I wish that I had the same gifting that he had is he's able to talk to anybody. He can just walk up and talk to him and, and tell him about Jesus and begins to, can I pray? And it's amazing to me because I don't have that in me. Like when I do it, it's like grinding my teeth and, and it's, it's hard for me to do, but he does it naturally. And I think Timothy was probably something like me because if he was, Paul wouldn't have to tell him to do the work of an evangelist if he was an evangelist, but he wasn't. He was a pastor. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Sometimes we have to do stuff that we may not be called to do. Did you know that? Sometimes you're going to have to step out and do things that you might not want to do, even if it's not your calling. But the thing is, in order to, to really fulfill our calling in our life is we have to take things serious because that's how he starts, right? For you, always be sober-minded. We have to, what he's meaning is we have to take these things serious. We can't joke. We can't take them for granted. We can't talk about doing something and then never actually do it. If we want to work for God, we have to be focused and step out and actually do it. And sometimes it's not going to be easy because next he says, endure suffering. He doesn't say avoid suffering. He doesn't say you'll never suffer. He doesn't say, you know what, if you'll serve God and however he wants you to do it, if you'll just say yes to God, you'll never suffer again. That's not what he says. He says, be sober-minded, take it serious and endure suffering. He doesn't say, and what I find interesting is he doesn't say, if suffering comes, endure suffering. The implication, I think, is that suffering's coming. Endure it. Suck it up, buttercup, move on. Get through it. And then finally, after he said, do the work of an evangelist, I wonder if that's what he was telling him. Do the work of an evangelist, just suffer through it. Even if it's hard for you, do it anyway. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. 
You see, Paul had gone through the steps with Timothy, Timothy that, were, that we have tasked ourselves to go through with everyone who becomes a part of this church. Right? So Timothy first, he, he reached out to them. He found them, shared the gospel with them. He got saved. And then after he led them to the Lord, he began training them. He began equipping them. He began working alongside of them. And actually, we, we know, uh, I believe it was Timothy, either Timothy or Titus, I can't remember which one, but their, the, their grandmother was actually a Christian. And, and, and his, his mom as well, it passed through. So he'd been trained his whole life. Is that Titus or Timothy? Huh? Eunice was the grandmother? That was Timothy's grandmother, right? trying to remember sorry turns out even as a pastor i don't have everything memorized i gotta i gotta work through it that's why i have you get you smart people out here i use joseph pastor joseph is my google half the time what's that verse <laughs> hallelujah but uh you know he, he's been training his whole life and then he came alongside paul and and, and paul trained him and worked with him and he was he was uh, paul was his spiritual father and then we see him after that empowering him to step out into his ministry. Paul didn't hold them back. Paul didn't say, you need to stay. Paul actually said, no, it's time for you to go. You're, you're where you're at. Let's step out and do that. Let's work through it. He says, it's going to take work. It's going to take focus. It might be a, a little hard, and it's probably going to hurt a little bit. And it might mean doing things that you don't feel like you're called to do. That's one of the things that, that uh, I, I'm up here every Sunday leading worship. But I'm not a worship leader. But I do it because we need somebody to do it. And I know I have great people up there with me, but we all have so much stuff. You know, maybe Monique could lead worship. Well, she's already being one of the, the youth leaders. And you guys don't know, we're talking about the accounting. She's the one that does, she's the, the treasurer of the church. She does all the accounting. Probably in this church, other than Michelle and I, she's the most busy person of everybody else in this church. She does the most. So I don't think it would be fair to have her do it as well. And then Blake and, and uh, Anina. I, I'm going through all the A's. I'm like, Adam and I, Marie, which one is it? <laughs> if you would not name your kids all A, this wouldn't be so difficult. <laughs> so <laughs> I almost forgot again. I could, Anina and Blake, they're still being equipped. They're not ready yet to step out into that position. So, so someone's got to do it. So I do it, even though I'm not called to do it. And one day we'll have somebody come in here and be a worship leader. One day, you know, my, 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 my dream, my goal is that, that Nick doesn't have to sit back there every week because we have five or six guys that will go back there and run the, run the sound. And we, we, we get a few people, and then they, 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 they head out for a while, and it's, like a, it's very difficult. But I would love it so that, that, that Nick is just back there once a week. And we have, uh, you know, or once a week, <laughs> once a month. <laughs> He's already back there once a week. We don't want that. <laughs> I would love it if we had somebody that could run the projector. And, and, and also we need people to be in charge of those areas that, that they, can, they can make it where it's, it's, it's not a thought to the other people that that's their ministry. I would love it that, that uh, we had a rotation that I could use on Wednesday nights of guys who are willing, that are already equipped and trained, that are willing to teach. On Wednesday nights, I, there, there's so many things that, that would be amazing to, to have if people would step out and be equipped and be ready to do it, and people wouldn't have to do what they're not called to do. But then he finally says it, after you, 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 you're serious about it, you endure some suffering, do the stuff that, you're not, that you may not be called to do, next you need to actually step out and do it. You know, 90% of the, 
the, the battle of fulfilling your ministry is actually taking the first step, just getting out there and doing it. It depends on you to fulfill your ministry. And in this church, we want to make sure that when people are stepping out, that we'll be there to equip them, to help them, to support them as they step out. And many times, the first step of getting equipped and being ready to step out into your own ministry is, is, is stepping out into to somebody else's, being faithful to the vision of your home church or your pastor or the different ministries and leaders in your area. Maybe you're not ready to step out and do your own thing, but you can certainly serve in the capacity of another man's field. Luke 16, 12, if you have not been faithful in what which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, that's one of the, the scariest things that I get is when uh, somebody I don't know, they show up for the church the first time, they come in, they lay out their credentials and, and tell me how they want to do stuff for the church. I'm like, I don't even know you. You know, I, 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 the, we have to have a relationship before we can move on to that point. But So sometimes you have to serve in somebody else's field before you're ready to have your own. I think that's probably the first step of stepping out in your own ministry is just serving faithfully in somebody else's. Because I know when I first uh, uh, learned of the call on my life and God began to speak to me, I didn't immediately go out and open a church. Instead, I served under my pastor for years, learning and training and, and, and learning how to preach and learning the Word and getting ready to step out into this calling. And then finally, after being faithful to that ministry for a number of years, I was released out into my own. And the truth is, is that this whole idea of, of sending out others to equipping other people, it's, it's a, a replicating or reproducing is a biblical idea. In 2 Timothy 2, 1-5, through it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many Witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering, as there's that suffering thing again. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. See, this, this idea too is not just what Paul said to Timothy. He said the same thing to Titus. And Titus 1.5, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint an elders in every town that I directed you. See, the truth is, is that we're supposed to empower people to step out into ministry. And for some areas, it's stepping out working in the local church, and sometimes it's preparing and training people to send them out to be pastors or evangelists or to uh, go out into an apostolic uh, anointing and plant a church. Sometimes that's we need to empower people to do these things. Matter of fact, that is how we're going to reach this city, how we're going to reach this country. Again, it's not by having mega churches with a bunch of different ministries, but it's getting people prepped and ready to go and say, go to where there's not somebody already and let's share the gospel. Let's tell them about it. Let's build something up. We don't need a bunch of churches with 100 or 10, 12,000 people in them. What we need is a bunch of churches like this with 40 or 50 people that, that can make an impact in their area. And we're finding that in Praise, the Praise Chapel is the organization that we're affiliated with. We're finding that, that they're even having churches like our size. They're planting other churches. They're being successful in planting churches and making an impact in other areas. But that's what, he, that's what Paul told Timothy. He said, you know what? What you've heard from me and trust the faithful men. Which you've heard, we're supposed to reproduce. Did you know that? Just like when God 
created the earth, he said that, that every plant would reproduce after its own kind, every animal after its own kind. We're supposed to reproduce after our own kind as well. If you're a worship leader you're, or a worship team member, you should be teaching other people how to do it. If you're working the soundboard, find somebody else and teach them how to do it. If you're teaching children, get other people around you, teach them how to do it. We're supposed to be reproducing. We're supposed to treach, uh, treach, teach faithful men and women of God to do the things that we know how to do and then release them. You know, that's uh, the, the part of that. You know, we got to get them saved first, but once they're in here, we got to get them involved. We have to train them, prep them. We need to reproduce. Everybody should be discipling somebody else. And discipleship isn't that difficult. We just got back from, from that conference, uh, Michelle and I, in, in California, and they had one of the churches in um, uh, Germany. Uh, the guy came down. His name was uh, Stefan, Pastor Stefan. And actually, it's pronounced that way, even though it's spelled Stephen. It's Stefan. Uh, great guy, but he, his idea of discipleship, he said, particularly in this generation, is different than, than what it used to be. It used to be that people were looking for mentors, but, but he said the, the generation that's, that's living, they're not looking for people to lord over them. They're looking for people to walk alongside, to be friends. So he, the way he disciples, he just befriends them. He spends time with them. Discipleship doesn't have to be complicated. You guys can disciple one another just by spending time with one another. And that's how we're going to make a difference. That's how we're going to reproduce. That's how we're going to, to teach people to do the things that we know how to do so that that way everybody can do anything that needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. Amen? He says the, the, the heavenly template, the, the godly template, is that we produce and we send out others that we empower them. And man, I, I, this is in the Bible a lot. I don't know if you know this. You know, we, we, we don't rejoice for the hard times, but we rejoice in them. We endure suffering. And he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Did you guys know you're soldiers? That means that if you're a soldier, that you, you do the bidding of your, your commanding officer. That would be Jesus. That means that you're serving in his army, that you do what he tells you to do. That's why he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? We need to be obedient to what God wants us to do. And as a soldier, that means that sometimes we've we, we got to spend time in the trenches. Sometimes we get muddy. Sometimes you've got to get down on your belly and crawl in the mud with barbed wires above your head. But he says, as a good soldier of Christ, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You know, that's one of the, the greatest detriments to people working in a ministry is they get so wrapped up on what's going on in their regular life. They've got so much stuff going on that they've actually scheduled themselves out of being able to serve God. And the Scripture says that no soldier gets entangled in civilian, not in civilian pursuits. I'm not saying that we don't have stuff outside of church. I have a lot of stuff that I like to do. I have all, I have. I usually can only do one at a time, but I've determined my hobby is getting new hobbies. But when I find a new hobby, I get invested. And I like to do that stuff outside of, outside of the church. I, I don't always do church stuff because we need time to ourselves. But we also need to make sure that we don't have so much other stuff that we can't serve God in the capacity that He wants us to serve Him. Because our aim shouldn't be to, to, to please only ourselves, or, but it's to please the one who enlisted us. 
Same thing, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What he's saying is if you want to be successful as an athlete, you have to compete according to the rules. If you cheat, you don't win. If you don't put in the time and effort, you don't win. You know, that's one of the things we see people, we see amazing um, uh, 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 athletes, and we think, man, they're just born gifted, but they work every day. Olympic-level athletes, they spend hours and hours every single day practicing and conditioning their bodies and suffering and because that is what they've decided is important to them and they're putting all their time in it. And the same is true for the, for the church. If you decided that this is important to you, if, if Jesus Christ is your commanding officer, if you're going to be obedient to him, that means that you're going to have to put in the time and put in the work. Amen? And then we'll end here in Matthew 10.1. He says he called him, called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. I picked this scripture because Jesus is the one that sets the example for us. First, he evangelized the disciples. He brought them on board and they traveled with him. They learned from him and they became equipped. Notice that to become equipped You have to spend time with the person doing the equipping. Then he empowered them to go out on their own. He took the 12 and he said, you know what? I give you all authority. Now go. Go out there and use it. Make a difference. He empowered them. And as a church, I want to make sure that we're following the example of Jesus Christ. There are those in this room that God has called to be preachers and teachers, pastors, evangelists. And right now you're in training. You're being equipped. So get equipped. Don't be distracted. Don't let the world confuse you about what's important. If you listen to what the world says is important, your life will just become a mess. Right now you're serving in another man's field, but do it faithfully and to the best of your ability and see what God won't do in your life, especially when it's your turn. That's one of the things that that uh, I've recognized in my own life is the, the truth about reaping and sowing. And I, I remember there would be times that we had so much stuff going on in church and I would call up uh, my pastor and, and I'd say, Pastor Mike, I can't make it in tonight. I'm just too tired, too much stuff going on. And, and he would get frustrated. And I, I remember, like, why are you getting so frustrated? Why are you upset? I mean, like, I'm in there all the time. and, and and he was trying to teach me the, the importance of, of being diligent, being faithful, to endure suffering sometimes and do what needs to be done. And I, I remember I, I would almost get offended at it. And now as a pastor, when people do the same thing to me, I'm like, now I get it. Because not only is it frustrating, but many times you're counting on people. One of the biggest things that, 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 that frustrates me is when we, we plan an event and we have stuff going on and I'm counting on people to be there to make an impact. And... Um, and and the people that I should be able to count on aren't there. It's like, but it's it's probably a little bit of reaping and sowing because I did the same stuff when I was in the same position. And the truth is, is I think that the way we serve in another man's field is going to come back on us when we step out into our own. So I would encourage you to be diligent, to be faithful, to give it all you have, and and uh, man, just give God all you. All you have, because the truth is, is that God wants to use you. Every single person in here, God has a plan for your life. 
He has a plan for you to make an impact in this community, in this city, and maybe even beyond. So give it all you got and let us help you to step out to what God has called you to. Amen?